0: if you have your Bibles, turn with me. Romans chapter number 11. Romans chapter number 11. Uh, for those of you that maybe were not with us Sunday, we, we did announce the news that, uh, that Pastor Tommy and Sister Sarah are moving moving all the way to Maine. You know, it's cold up there, right? Okay, just want to get that on my system one more time. But, uh, but again, we are praying about what the Lord would have us to do moving forward. And uh, kind of the plan is we're going to have fill-ins. And I don't know who, I, who I'm looking for, but I know what I'm looking for. And uh, and we're just going to believe God. Um, last time I checked, the Lord will provide. Amen. It's been a win-win situation. The folks came here at a time where we needed them and they needed us. And, and now God's moving them. And uh, so he's going to send us somebody new. And we just need to be praying that it's a great fit and that it happens soon and very, very soon. So. Romans chapter number 11, we're going to continue kind of the, the, the study that we started last week. And we're talking about Israel. We're talking about how how Israel had rejected God, how had they rejected Jesus as the Messiah. They were looking for a different kind of Messiah, you know. Uh, Israel was looking for someone who would set them free from Roman rule, who would come and establish the kingdom of God, who would do all these things that the Messiah is supposed to do the second time he comes, okay? But the first time that he came, he came in such a way that, that, that many in, in Israel didn't recognize him. They, You know, that's the danger sometimes of us putting God in a box, okay? Now, this is not in my notes, but I think the Holy Spirit is speaking that to my heart right now. You know what, guys? Sometimes we think if God doesn't do this, this, and this, it's not God. Or the way God moved before is the way God has to move today. Last time I checked, he's sovereign. What does sovereignty mean? It means he can do what he wants to do, okay? Last time I checked, he does not need board approval or pastor's approval, okay? He doesn't ask my opinion. Well, what do you think, okay? By the way, I'm often asking his opinion in prayer. God, what do you think? That's a great prayer to pray. God, what do you think about what I'm doing, about where I'm going, about the things I'm doing, about the people I'm hanging out with? So again, I just want to remind you: Israel missed God not because they weren't um, they weren't they weren't zealous. They didn't know the word. I mean, these folks knew the word, but they were looking for a God that fit in their box. And because Jesus didn't, they missed their visitation. Boy, that's a warning to all of us, huh? Let's be open to everything and anything the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. Now, here's the deal. A move of God will not contradict the Word of God, okay? The Word of God is our God, okay? And Jesus never contradicted anything in the Word. In fact, He fulfilled every bit of the Word, but, but yet they were looking for something different, and they missed their visitation. They missed their opportunity. So does that mean God's done with Israel? See, here's the thing about God. God makes declarations, God makes determinations, God makes decisions, and, and those things stick. Okay? He's not wishy-washy. Okay? He's not this way one way and this way another. Aren't you glad you don't serve a moody God? <laughs> Aren't you glad, God, glad that He is faithful? Aren't you glad that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And even though Israel rejected him at one time, he still got a plan for them, still got purposes for them. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight for a few minutes. The the callous on a man's heart. By the way, we're in Romans chapter number 11. We're going to look at verses 11 through 16. And we're just talking about how the callous on Israel's heart, their rejection of God, is not a final rejection. Okay? The callous on a man's heart does not have to be final every man can repent and turn to Christ and be restored to God. This is the message of this passage. The callous that's over Israel's heart is not final. There is to be a restoration of Israel. Many in Israel are going to return to God and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. You know, it's good to know that that God's plan is going to be accomplished. It's good to know that, that we haven't that Israel hasn't blown it, and you haven't blown it either. You know, every now and then I post up on Facebook, and I found this little blurb that I put out. I think it was last week, and, and uh, you may have seen this on my Facebook. If you think you've blown God's plan for your life, rest in this. You, my beautiful friend, are not that powerful. You know, believe it or not, that actually caused a little bit of a discussion on my thread among some preachers. Okay? I reached out to them and said, hey, look, my Facebook is a zero drama zone, drama-free zone, okay? Your Facebook should be that as well, just for him, okay? Some of you received that. Some of you need to receive that, okay? My Facebook page is a drama-free zone. Say so the drama for your mama, okay? Because I had some preacher go, well, is that really the case 100% of the time? I said, I don't really care. In fact, I joked with him. He said, I don't know if I completely agree. I said, I'm okay with that because you've been wrong before. Okay, I shouldn't have said that, but you remember I'm Cajun and I'm smart Alec. Okay? I said sin before I, I, I sent Erase. Okay? But here's the, the reason I text that. Because God is sovereign and he's powerful and he's made declarations over your life and over Israel's life. And guess what? Those things will come to pass. Ultimately, I'm convinced as long as there is breath in your lungs, the will and the plan of God can still become reality in your life. Amen? You know, I, um, I have a good friend of mine. And uh, he was in church with us the last couple Sundays. He's in Teen Challenge today, my friend Ivy. Uh, six weeks ago, he was on life support. Grace, he was a mess. I went in there, and, and I prayed with him, and I talked to him, and there was no response whatsoever. And, and I, uh, I just had to stand on the promise that God had a plan. Well, one week later, he amazed the doctors. And the next time I saw him, he was sitting up. And I was able to talk to him one-on-one and lead him to Jesus. And then he came to church several times, and he started Team Challenge. Why? Because he believes that God has a plan for his life, and he's acting accordingly. But guys, I just want to challenge you. God has a plan for your life just like he has a plan for nation Israel. And God's plan is going to be accomplished. I would challenge some of us in here today, though, stop fighting against the plan of God and start working with the plan of God. Amen? Stop frustrating the plan of God and start facilitating the plan of God in your life. Okay, enough about you, enough about me. Let's get to Israel. Let's read the the word together. Romans chapter number 11, beginning with verses 11 through 16. So far, so good. I don't need these things. I say then, Paul writes, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles, for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you, Gentiles, insomuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify my office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so also are the branches. Let's pray tonight that the Lord would speak to our hearts through his word. Lord, we just ask right now that you'd open up our hearts, open up our minds to receive from you tonight. Lord, I'm asking that you would bless this teaching, you'd bless these people, you'd bless this church, you'd help us to continue to make a difference, not only here locally, but around the world. In Jesus' name, I pray, and everybody would say, amen. With me mentioning around the world, next Wednesday night, we have a missionary from Japan, from Japan, who's going to be with us, and uh, and, and that's going to be interesting. I don't know if I've ever talked to a missionary to Japan talk to one or two from China. By the way, you can't really publicize that. They go as teachers and all kinds of other things. But uh, I don't know if I've ever met a missionary to Japan. So guess what? I get to do something for the first time, and you get to do something for the first time too next Wednesday, missionary to Japan. So in verses 11 to 12, this is proof number one that God has overruled Israel stumbling over Christ. You see, Israel has stumbled over Christ. Has Israel stumbled that they should fall? See, there's a difference between stumbling and falling, okay? You know, before church today, I was, um, we, we, we've got a different camper, and, uh, this there, when y'all moved yours, I moved mine in there, okay, and I plugged it in and, and something wasn't working properly so I got on the phone and, and they said maybe you have a problem with your 50 amp service okay, so he said go outside turn the breaker on, turn it off, and I reset it so, so I go there and, and there's the new plug, which by the way Zach is fooling with right now. Okay, there's the new plug, and then next to it, the old plug, okay? Now, the new plug was good, because I knew everything was good, but next to it is where the breaker is, and and every now and then, how many know Red Wasp really like those little homes, okay? So I uh, knocked first. Nobody said hello, okay? And so I'm on the phone with this little service tech, and I lift the box, Okay? And apparently, they treated me like we used to treat the British. Wait till you see the whites of their eyes. Because as I opened it, they decided to say hello, okay? I am dressed like this in flip-flops, okay? It is hard to backpedal in flip-flops, okay? I'm stumbling. One got me on the arm and on the back. I'm catching the Holy Ghost, y'all, okay? And my wife is like, you okay? She thought I was electrocuted. I was like, baby, I don't think it would go down like that, okay? It would be like, zap! I'm just down. Okay, down goes Frazier, okay? But no, I'm stumbling out of there, okay? Thankfully, I didn't fall, or that would be even a better story, okay? And, and those of you that know me know I really do not like red wolves, okay? My dad used to make so much fun of me. He's like, son, you're so much bigger than they are. But they hurt bad. I'm feeling my dad got a good chuckle in heaven if he got to see that situation, okay? But stumbling, I understand stumbling, okay? And there's a difference between stumbling and falling. We all stumble sometimes, but it's a whole different thing if you fall. Brother Bernie has taught me the key As you get a little older in life, once you start falling, what, Brother Bernie? Don't you stop. Remember one time we were over at his house and he stumbled and he went down? I'm like, Brother Bernie, you okay? I'm fine. You just gotta watch it. If you stop try to stop a fall, you'll hurt yourself. Sister Fisher, I don't know if this would be the case, but you probably try to stop that ball. Next thing you know, you're an olive oak. If you start bowling, if you get nothing else out of the service, okay, if you start bowling, don't stop. Works for Brother Bernie, okay? But here's the deal. Israel has stumbled over Jesus, but they haven't fallen. Because God still has got a plan for them, just like he has a plan for us. The contrast between stumbling and falling is, is is very, very real. The idea is that of a permanent and a final fall spiritually. Look, guys, if I had fallen getting away from them red walls, I don't know if I'd be speaking tonight. Okay? Because they would have probably lit me up. Okay? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I would have done to get away from them cats. Okay? But here's the deal, guys. Israel stumbled, but they haven't fallen. You see, the idea here is a permanent fall. Is Israel's problem with Christ permanent and final? Will Israel never accept God's son, Jesus Christ, as the true Messiah? It's the spiritual fall of Israel to be forever? Well, Paul's response is very forceful. God forbid. In fact, it's the same words that he uses when he was talking about the grace of God. Remember a few chapters ago where he said, the grace of God is so awesome, he talks about the grace of God, and he said, should we continue in sin so that the grace of God should abound? God forbid. Of course not. The answer to, is God done with Israel? is, of course not. You see, God has made a way for Israel to be restored. Okay? God has overruled Israel's stumble over Christ in three very glorious ways. Let's look at them. Number one, God has opened the door of salvation to the whole world. The Lord's messengers went to Israel first. But Israel did not want to hear that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God. Very few received the gospel. In fact, so many rejected the gospel that it can be said that Israel, the nation as a whole, stumbled over Christ Israel, the Jews. The Jews shut their eyes lest they should see Christ. They closed their ears lest they should hear Christ. They set themselves to bitterly oppose anything to do with Jesus. God had no other choice but to do the next logical thing. The glorious message, the good news of the gospel, his love that his son uh, came to this world to save sinners was sent to the rest of the world. God sent his messengers throughout the world, the Gentile world, in search of any person who would receive this great message. God did what the Jews had always failed to do. God threw open the door of salvation to the whole world. Consider what, um, what the book of Acts says in Acts 13 and 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it out from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Acts 28, verses 27 through 28. For the heart of this people, talking about Israel, is wax gross. Their ears were dull unto hearing. Their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and be converted, and I would heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, that they will hear it. Guys, every one of us in here are Gentiles. We should be so very thankful that the door of salvation was open to you and I. Luke chapter number 14, Jesus is telling a a, a parable, telling a story here. And in verses 21 through 24, he kind of describes what God did in this situation. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is still room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them that they might come in, that my house may be full. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Man, God just wants people to come to him. God just wanted people to, to take, take up his offer of forgiveness, take up his offer of salvation. And when Israel, for the most part, rejected, he opened it up to you and I. He opened it up to the whole world. Note two very thought-provoking ideas. Number one, think how wonderful it would have been if the Jews had accepted Jesus and had become God's missionary force to carry the message of God to the world. Imagine that. Would the world have been reached by now? It has been 2,000 years since Christ came to earth, and the world still has not been reached by the gospel. If the Jews had accepted Christ, maybe the task would be complete. How many more people would be saved? Just a thought. Secondly, how wonderful it would be if more of us Gentiles would accept Christ. If we would dedicate our lives more sacrificially to carry God's message of salvation to the world, how many more people would be saved and delivered? Know how God worked all things out for good. He took Israel's rejection of his son and he enriched the world. Why? Because God has determined that his son, Jesus Christ, will have many brothers who will worship and serve him throughout all eternity. Therefore, if a people rejects the message of his son, God will work it out and send the message to another people. And I'm so glad he did that. Where would we be if not for the grace of God? Where would we be today if God hadn't? open those doors of salvation, but let's not forget God's not done with Israel yet. Secondly, God stirs the Jews to be restored. God has not forsaken the Jews; He couldn't do it. It'd be like you and I forgetting our child. tell could you ever forget Austin and Denver? Nope, just can't do it, right? I mean, you 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 think about them constantly; they're your children. I mean. There's no scenario I could think of where I'm not at very least thinking of Hunter and Hayden. They're my kids, they're my boys, okay? Alicia, think about that connection you have with Sebastian, who has just the best hair in the world. If you haven't seen that little fella, he's got the best hair in the church, okay? Those curls, Ah, oh, some of you some of you ladies would die from that, okay? But but could you ever imagine not 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 wanting the best for him, not loving? It? There's still such a connection. Guys. That's the closest thing we can think of to God's connection with Israel, okay? Yeah, there are times that we, we feel bad that our children make bad decisions. Saturday night, I got a call that Hayden got in a little fender bender Gotta love those kind of calls, huh? Okay? I guess you get him a NASCAR-looking car, and he tries to drive like it is NASCAR, okay? Good news is, he was fine, and uh, and it's all worked out, and that's all good, but, but um... Again, guys, our, our, uh, there's always that, we, we always want the best for our kids. The first thing, I mean, he was crying. I was like, are you okay? Because, again, I can fix cars. We can get another car. I can't get another Aiden, <laughs> okay? Um, so, again, guys, there's that connection that God has to Israel, and God has not forsaken them. Just as, as as surely as you would never forsake your child, God will never forsake you as his child or Israel as his children. The door of salvation is open to them just as well as it is to open to you and I. Jews can look at the true Christian believers and see the holiness, love, joy, peace of their lives, and Jews can still be stirred to receive Jesus. In fact, this is the very point of the present passage. God sees to it that some Jews are provoked, stirred up, to receive Christ in the glorious life of salvation which he offers know what, guys, there, there is a larger number of Messianic Jews, people that are coming to the full knowledge of Jesus Christ as God's only Son. Luke 24, 47, the Bible says, And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Romans 1 and 16, we love this scripture. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first also to the Gentile. So again, the opportunity to receive Jesus is just as much available to the Jew as it is to you and I as the Gentile. Thirdly, God assures the glorious restoration of Israel and a rich period for the whole earth. Note this sharp, the sharp contrast. The word diminishing means loss, defeat injury. It means that Israel became impoverished spiritually. They're reject- See, here's the thing. Choices always have consequences, okay? Israel's choice to reject Jesus 2,000 years ago has carried consequences, some very grave consequences, okay? And that's a reminder to all of us to make good decisions, okay? I tell my kids all the time, it's not what you do, it's what you did it's what you do next. It's not what you did, rather, it's what you do next, Okay? We all sometimes make a bad decision. But the worst thing you could do is follow that up with another bad decision. And before you know it, you got a pattern. How does that work for us? Okay? But Israel made a bad decision. And many times they followed it up with even worse decisions. And they found themselves in a very difficult place. But God has made a way for them to come back from that. God has made a way for them to turn. For them to repent. Just like he has for all of us. See, Israel was spiritually injured and defeated. The Jewish people lost. Lost the blessings of salvation. Now, if the spiritual fall of Israel led to the riches of salvation being carried to the world, if the spiritual diminishing of Israel led to the riches of salvation being carried to the Gentiles, how much more shall the fullness, the restoration of Israel, which is prophesied in the Bible and will come to pass, how much more will that bring the blessings of God to this earth? How much more? Note the word fullness which means completion, or that which is filled. The idea is that the day is coming when God's plan and purpose for Israel will be completed and perfectly fulfilled. That day, the day of Israel's restoration, will cause even a greater blessing to spread out across the world. Guys, God's not done with Israel, and he's not done with you and I as well. He's not done with this church. See, that's why it's hard to back up in flip-flops, okay? I'm glad that didn't happen an hour ago when I was playing with them little red pets. Okay, But here's the deal, guys. God has a plan. He always has a plan. Think about the, how the spread of the gospel has had an enormous impact on the world. Think about how the, 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 the message of Jesus, the gospel, the good news, has so blessed our entire world. It's liberated millions from sin and shame. It's saved millions from death, hell, and the grave. It's assured millions of a life eternal with God. It's done so much good stuff, so much amazing stuff around the world. However, when Israel is restored and large numbers of Jews begin to turn to Jesus, then the world will experience unprecedented blessings from the hand of God. God promises these blessings to the world. The point is clear. God has overruled and is going to continue overruling Israel's stumble and fall over Christ. More and more Gentiles are going to be saved. The uttermost part of the earth is going to hear the gospel. Remember Matthew 24, 14? And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. More and more Jews are going to be stirred to accept Jesus and be restored to God. A glorious restoration of Israel is going to take place. How do you know that's all going to happen? Because it's in the Word. Jeremiah chapter number 24. This is a prophecy. The prophecy of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 24 and 7. And I will give them, talking about Israel, and I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. That's a picture of restoration, and it's going to happen. Verses 13 through 15. Proof number two is Paul's attempt to stir the Jews to be saved. Here's the thing, guys. Paul was a preacher. Paul was an evangelist. Paul was the missionary to the Gentiles, but he had a heart people. And this is his letter appealing to them to, to make their put their faith in Jesus. Paul was God's primary minister to the Gentiles in the first century. Paul magnified the ministry and glorified in God's call. He stressed the fact that every chance he could. Why? Paul had two purposes. Number one, he wanted to arouse the Jews to envy. That is, he wanted to stir in them to look at Jesus, to see what the Christ had done for the Gentiles. He wanted to stir men in to look at the lives of believers and to see the wonderful change Christ had brought, whereby Paul hoped that some Jews would be saved. Secondly, Paul wanted to hasten the day for Israel's restoration. He knew there was going to be a restoration. He wanted it to happen as quickly as possible. He wanted it to happen maybe even his lifetime. Now, it didn't, but he wanted it to happen. Every time he was able to reach a Jew for Jesus, the callous on Israel's heart would soften a little more. The more he could soften the callous, the sooner the restoration would take place. Notice what Paul said in verse 15. If the casting away, that is the rejection of Israel, led to the reconciliation of the world to God, what shall the receiving, the restoration of them be but life from the dead? The reconciliation of the world has a twofold meaning. Number one, it means... All men, both Jew and Gentile, can now be reconciled to God. All men can now have peace with God and possess the peace of God. Aren't you glad you got that? Second Corinthians five, seventeen and eighteen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. I think sometimes we forget about that in, in church, guys. We have been reconciled so that we can have the ministry of reconciliation. We've been given something great and precious from God so that we can give it to others, so that we can be his hands and feet extended. Colossians 1 and 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Secondly, that all men, both Jew and Gentile, can now be reconciled to each other. Ephesians two sixteen, And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity, the hatred thereby. See, Paul believed strongly in the restoration of Israel. Why? Because he knew what the Word of God said. He knew what the Old Testament talked about, and he believed God. The phrase, life from dead, is interpreted in a couple of different ways. Some say it refers to the resurrection of the dead, to the climax of human history, when Jesus Christ shall return to deliver the whole creation from corruption, to rule and reign over the world. This, of course, would mean that believers or not a resurrected unto the resurrection or the restoration of the Jews to God. Others say it's merely figurative language. When the Jews are restored, it will be like a resurrection, like gaining life from the dead. I think that's probably a little closer to being the case here. Whatever the interpretation, the restoration of Israel will be a most glorious event, an event so glorious it will be like a true resurrection. It will lead to a new world, a world of righteousness that will benefit all involved. The scene is that the most glorious blessings will be poured out upon the whole world and everyone in it. I mentioned this scripture Sunday during my sermon, Romans 8 and 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Ephesians 1 and 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in all the saints. And then finally, I'm almost done. Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 4 through 7. Why is J.M. texting me during church? I'm going to give him a hard time for that. John Kilpatrick's son is texting me during church. Shame, shame, shame. I'm going to tell his daddy on it. All right, Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 4 through 7. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And then finally, verse number 16, and I close with this. Proof number three is that Israel's forefathers, this is going to bless some of you. This is going to bless some of you. How many of you here have some unsaved loved ones? How many of you here have some kids or grandkids that aren't where they need to be with the Lord? Pay attention. This will bless you. Proof number three is that Israel's forefathers, that is the patriarchs, give a heritage of holiness. This is an extremely important verse in dealing with the restoration of Israel. God gives two pictures to show that Israel can never be totally and finally rejected. Both of these have to do with first fruits. You see, the Jew always dedicated the first fruit of the harvest to God. He gave the first part to God, and by giving the first part, the man was saying to God that he was dedicating all his food to God. It was not necessary to offer every mouthful to God, the offering, was was all that was necessary. The second picture is that of a little tree being planted and the sapling being offered to God. Every branch thereafter was looked upon as being sacred to God, not necessary to dedicate the whole branch. What Paul is saying is that the root, The first part refers to the patriarchs, the fathers of Israel. Israel, by merit of its patriarchs, its fathers, holds a very special place in God's heart. The whole nation benefits from the dedicated lives of Abraham and the other patriarchs, godly men of uh, of faith. The whole nation will be restored and saved. Why? Because God made promises to those faithful people. God made promises to Abraham. God made promises to David. God made promises to those folks. And they're going to come to reality in nation Israel. Note this. To call Israel a holy nation does not mean that the Jewish people live holy lives in the sight of God. Scripture is not talking about practical day-to-day holiness. There's been very few Jews, just as there's always been very few Gentiles who've lived holy lives. But Israel was initially chosen by God to be his witness upon the earth, chosen to be his nation, his, his representative nation to bear testimony of him and his grace. The first fathers of the nation believed God and lived lives of faith, and few Jews have continued to serve God down through the centuries. God very clearly says that because of the holiness of a a few, he cares for the nation as a whole, for the whole world. What this means is this. Because of the holy lives of a few, God looks with favor upon the nation. It does not mean that he saves everyone in the nation, but rather he blesses the nation because of the faithfulness of godly patriarchs. Consider for a moment the influence of godly parents godly forefathers and nations upon children and succeeding generations. Basically, what the Lord told me when I was studying this is your living for God is influencing countless generations. Some of you are wondering, is it really making a difference? Miss Sarah, are your many years of serving the Lord really making a difference? Absolutely. There is a blessing. There is a favor that is upon your children, your grandchildren. There is a favor that God has placed upon them. Now, are they all doing exactly like you want them to do and God wants them to do? No. But there is a favor. There is a blessing. There is a covering. And they have no doubt who God is. They have no doubt the goodness of God that has been accomplished in their life. And I want to encourage some of you in here today. Sister Eloise, keep serving the Lord. Keep being faithful. Your children, those grandchildren, there's a blessing. There's a covering over them. That's based upon what God has done for Israel. He'll do for you and I as well. Your faithfulness to God will not, will not, um, will, will not fall apart. Your faithfulness for God will continue to reap a great blessing on your family. You see, like, uh, I can't read my own, right? That's bad. <laughs> like Israel. There we go, Israel! You know what? I think I might need these. Please uh, keep having birthdays. You want whatever. Wow! You want to see how big this gets. Like Israel, guys, You and I, you and I, if we'll continue to to be that godly, holy root for our family, God will bring forth a great harvest of righteousness. If you'll be that holy root, if you'll keep doing right, doesn't matter what anybody else does, you do right. Let's make that determination right now. Grace, make that determination right now. I don't care what anybody else, I don't even care what mama does. You do right, Okay. And you cannot back up and faithful to him. Amen. Be that faithful root. Be faithful to the Lord and watch the blessings follow. Amen. Also note the influence of godly men upon nations. Exodus 19 and 6. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. However, remember this. We must always remember that the people of a nation can be restored to God only through repentance. Only by turning from sin and turning to God. I close with Leviticus 26, verses 40 through 42. The Word of God says that they shall confess their iniquity. And the iniquity of their fathers with their trespass, which they trespassed against me. This is a a message to Israel. And that they have also walked contrary unto me. And that I have also walked contrary unto them. And I brought them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, and they accept of the punishment of their iniquity, then will I remember my covenant with Jacob, and also my covenant with Isaac, and also my covenant with Abraham will I remember. And I will remember the land. That's Old Testament promise right there. In the New Testament, it sounds more like this, 1 John 1 and 9. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to challenge you today, guys. Keep doing right. Keep honoring God. Keep praying. Keep making godly decisions. Sometimes you're like, is it really making a difference? Friend, it's really making a difference. Amen? Your faithfulness is really making a difference. It speaks volumes to your family. It speaks volumes to your friends. You know, we, had a, uh, we had somebody uh, tell us this week that, that, that uh, there's a couple that, that have never been in our church. They'll be here eventually. But, uh, but they've just really been drawn closer to 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 things of God, basically through my wife's business and through some interactions with others, and and it's just really been neat how God has been working in our life. What is that a result of? Is is it me? No, it ain't me. In fact, sometimes I get in the way of God doing stuff, okay? By the way, don't look down on me, because you do that too, okay? But but it's in spite of me sometimes. But if we're faithful to God, He will be faithful to us. Amen? So here's how I want to close, guys. I want us to just take a couple minutes to uh, to pray for some unsaved loved ones that we have. Every one of us have people that don't know Jesus. Every one of us have somebody, somebody that you know, somebody that you care about, somebody that you love that means the world to you. And I just want to encourage you tonight that just how God is not finished with Israel, he's not finished with them yet. Amen? And if God can... Can save my friend Ivy six weeks ago and get him in a life-changing environment called Teen Challenge, there ain't nobody he can't touch. Amen? So can we just bow our heads for a minute? I just want you to pray right now. Call... think two or three names are beginning to come to your uh, two or three people two or three faces just call them out toward the lord i want to remind you of the word of god in second peter three and nine the lord is not slack concerning his promises but long suffering and patient not wanting any to perish but all to come to repentance lord we pray right now for our unsaved loved ones we pray for our friends that don't know you like we know you god we pray right now that you would touch their heart that god you would minister to them God, I just pray right now that you would touch those in Sister Sarah's family that are not as close to you as they need to be. Touch their hearts. Touch them right now, God. Touch Sister Garland's family, Lord. Touch Chantelle's family right now. Extended family. There are family members, God, that need you desperately. Touch right now. Intervene right now, Lord. We pray right now over every one of our loved ones. People we come in contact with on a regular basis, Lord. Just like you're not done with Israel, you're not done with them as well. God, I even pray for the prodigal sons and daughters of this church. There are people that grew up in this church. There are children that grew up in this church that are away from you today. Lord, we call them back home. Some of them, one of them may be watching on Facebook right now. Touch his heart. Minister to Him right now, Lord. God, we thank You that You love us, that You've got plans and purposes for our lives. And God, at any moment in our life, if we're walking one way, we can stop, we can repent, we can turn and go a new way, Lord. You did it for me. You've done it for others. You did it for my buddy, Ivy. And You can do it for anybody, God. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We just intervene, intercede right now for our loved ones. Bring our children to salvation. Bring our grandchildren to salvation. Touch our sons and daughters. Restore them to you just like you will, nation Israel. And God, I pray right now for every person under the sound of my voice. Help them to stay faithful. Help them to realize that there is some fruit of righteousness that is coming out of them, that righteous root that they have been. Thank you for being grounded in Christ. Thank you for those that are faithful to you. Touch them, bless them, and use each and every one of us for your glory. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. And everybody would say amen and amen.